Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. We're talking about the law of faith. This is lesson number four. Our main text is Romans chapter 3 and verse 27. Romans 3 and verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Just a quick review. First of all, we said that faith is a spiritual law by which we access the grace of God. We've been told in Romans chapter 5, it's by faith we access God's grace. And then also, there are conditions that must be met for its operation. Just like there are natural laws that have to have certain things in place, just like aerodynamic laws have to be in place to rise up above the law of gravity, the same thing is true in the realm of the spirit. There are conditions that must be met. One thing that we talked about, number one, must be based on the word of God. You must have your faith based upon the word of God. That's the foundation for our faith, whether it's written or whether it's spoken by his spirit or delivered by an angel. We've got to have the word of God. We can't stand on something that's apart from the word of God. So look at Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. This is how we establish our faith. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So we can believe and trust in his integrity that if he said it, he's going to do it. If he speaks it, he's going to make it good. And then also in Psalm 89, 34, another important scripture with regard to establishing our faith. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. God does not change once he seals his word with blood. He doesn't change. Circumstances can change, situations can change, but God's word will never, ever change. If it can change, we have no basis for faith. We need to understand that. And then also, number two, we said we must ask and ask with the right motive. Look at James in chapter 4. You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. So if we don't ask, obviously, we're violating the law that we have to set in motion. You've got to ask. You ask, then he goes on to say, and you receive not because you ask amiss without the right motive that you may consume it upon your lusts. So basically this tells us two things. We've got to ask, number one, but we have to ask with the right motive, with the right intent of heart, not for wrong motives as many of them were doing. And so number three, we said sometimes the law says we've got to command something to be done. Command it. In Acts chapter 3, Remember the man that was lame at the temple called Beautiful, um, asking alms? Well, Peter fastening his eyes on him with John said, look on us, and so on. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That is not asking, that is a command. He's giving him a mandate, basically saying, I c command you to rise up and walk. Took him by the right hand, lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up walked and entered the temple walking and leaping and praising God. So we see the miracle took place as they gave a command. They didn't ask the father to heal him. They gave a command in the name of Jesus for him to rise up. And John's gospel teaches us that very thing. In John 14 when Jesus said if you ask that's a command or demand anything in my name I will do it. So he says he will be the one to do it. Why? Because in his name, there am I in the midst of them. So it's important to know those three things. Now, as we continue our study, we're going to look at 
Mark eleven twenty four. Because number four is, we must believe we receive. We must believe we receive. If you've been prayed for, you believe you receive something. You must continue believing you have received whatever it is that you asked for. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, the word therefore means. Look at the prior verse. The prior verse is the law of faith that says, if you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you will have what you say. That's the law of faith. Therefore, based on the law of faith, verse 24 says, therefore, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. Some translations say, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. And the clearer way to understand that is this. You believe, you receive it in its invisible form, and it will manifest in its visible form. A lot of times people think, well, how can I say I believe I received it when I don't see it? Faith is not based on what we see. It's the evidence of things not seen. So we believe we received something even though we don't see it. And we start thanking God that we've received it even though we don't see it. And eventually it will materialize in the natural world in which we live. So if we believe we've received it in its invisible form then it will manifest in its visible form at some point. Our part is just to believe that we have received it. And if we go on continually believing that we have received it, then we position ourselves to receive it in its visible form. And of course, this is following the laws that have been established for us in Scripture with regard to asking and receiving. Look at another verse in James chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. And here James is talking about the same thing. And he says, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask, full of doubt and unbelief and fear and worry and anxiety. And <clears throat> but let him ask in what? Faith, nothing wavering. Don't vacillate. Don't go back and forth. Nothing wavering. And as we continue on, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Now notice this, for let not that man think that he shall receive, not that God won't give, but that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So what is the law here saying when it comes to believing and receiving? I've got to believe I received it without wavering. I've asked in faith and I believe I receive it and therefore I'm not going to waver from that. I've got to stand firm that God heard me. I have the petition I desired of him. And so if I waver, don't even think you can receive. It's not about God giving. It's about our receiving. We've got to become better receivers of what God has already given. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. They belong to us right now. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's not a matter of God giving to us. It's a matter of us receiving what God has given. People that are in the world right now that are being lost... All they've got to do is receive Christ. God doesn't have to give Christ anymore. He gave Christ. He gave his only begotten son. It's up to us to receive him as our Savior and as our Lord. It's up to us to receive. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Is what the Apostle Paul asked the people over at Ephesus. Remember? He didn't say, did God give you the Holy Ghost? He said, have you received the Holy Ghost? He's already been given. Have you received him? It's either yes or no. Either I have or I haven't. Have you received Christ as your Savior? It's either yes or no. I have or I haven't. But it's not a matter of God given. You don't ask somebody, did God give you salvation? No. Have you received salvation? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord? Have you received the Holy Ghost and fire in your innermost being? It's our receiving what God has already given. 
And sometimes it's difficult for people to navigate through that. Look at another verse in Daniel chapter 10. And it gives us some understanding. Behold, an hand touched me, this is Daniel speaking, which set me upon my knees and upon the palm of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto you, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Did you hear that? The first day thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. It was 21 days later that he came. 21 days later. But the prince of the king of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to me to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. Well, what's the point here? He prayed and on the very, at the very moment, on the very day that he prayed, this angel Gabriel was dispatched from heaven to go and bring him the answer to his prayer. But he was interfered with because of this demonic influence. This prince of Persia got in the way and prevented it from getting to him, say, right away. Michael came along and helped out. And then as a result, 21 days later, he gets the answer to his prayer. It's manifested in the natural world in which we live. So we need to hold fast, which is going to be coming up. But we need to understand that we have to stay in faith. Just like Peter walking on the water had to stay in faith to consummate the miracle. But because he saw the wind, the waves, the sea, and all that boisterous, he then began to falter in his faith, and he began to sink. And Jesus said, that's little faith. That little faith will get you maybe halfway there, but not all the way there. So we don't want to abort the faith project just because we haven't seen the end result with our natural eyes. Stay in faith. Believe you have received them so you can have them. Look at 1 John 5, 14, 15. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, what do we have to know? That he hears us, whatsoever we ask. We know we have the petitions that we desired of him. How do we know he hears us? We asked according to his will. And we know that he heard us then. Say, does that mean that materializes right away? No. Sometimes, maybe. But most of the time, no. You've got to believe you receive it and start thanking him for it before it ever materializes in the natural world. But you know that he heard you the moment that you prayed. And you're confident that he heard you the moment that you prayed because you asked according to his will. And because you asked according to his will, you know he heard you, you know you have it, and you praise him for it. That is how faith operates. That's how faith works. Well, you believe that you received Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, and you know that he's in your heart right now. You haven't seen him. But do you have him? And one day that will materialize where you're going to see him face to face. But look at uh, John's Gospel, chapter 11. This is something that Jesus operated in. And this is one of the most powerful things that ever happened. This is Lazarus. He's sick unto death. And Jesus said, before this, four days prior to this, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. He said that four days prior to this. Four days later, this happens. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee 
that thou hast heard me. That was four days prior that he heard him. I'm thanking you that you heard me when I said this sickness is not unto death. Well, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus lie by saying this sickness is not unto death? That was his faith speaking. Did the man die? Yeah, he died. And he was dead four days. But Jesus said it's not unto death. How does that make any sense? He made a faith declaration four days prior to this and said it's not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. And so he says, roll away the stone. But notice this, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. We're not believing for a pair of socks here. We're not believing to get your bill paid. He is saying, four days ago, you heard me say this sickness is not unto death. And I know you heard me. So Lazarus, come out. Wow. Pretty confident, wouldn't you say? Pretty bold. But he was operating in faith. His faith was at work. And death itself could not stop his faith from working. So he made his declaration. He knew the father heard him. And he believed he had it. And he stepped out. Look at number five. We must hold fast our confession of faith, as James said, without wavering. Why? Because faithful is he who promised. We must hold fast. Look in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Notice he is the high priest of our what? Profession or confession. As high priest over our confession, he is watching over what we're saying. He said this, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. So he's the high priest of our confession. We'll see that in a moment. But look at Hebrews chapter 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or confession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. When we make our declaration of faith and believe that we receive something from God, then he's the one that watches over it to see to it that it's made good. And aren't you glad you've got a high priest to represent you before the very throne of Almighty God? And it's almost as if he is saying, Father, you hear what they're saying down there? Do you hear what they're saying down there? Let me give you an example. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. And that word confess is the same word profess that we saw in the other scriptures. Sometimes they change it. I don't know why, but it's the same Greek word. Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. How do we get saved? We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lordship of Jesus. And so when we confess him as Lord, what does Jesus do? He's the high priest of our confession. He confesses us there in heaven. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. So when I say I confess you as my Savior, I confess you as my Lord, and what does he do? He confesses me before the Father. That's our child right there. He, he confessed me as Savior and Lord, and therefore I'm his Savior and Lord. So it's not just, though, for salvation, unless you want to use the full 
uh, let's say, definition of the word soteria, which is the Greek word that means saved, healed, delivered, made whole, preserved. We confess unto salvation. We confess unto healing. We confess unto deliverance. We confess unto preservation. We confess unto wholeness. We confess unto provision. We confess unto protection. I'll give you an example. Some of you know this. Many of you do, maybe, but some here that don't. There are a lot that really challenge what I'm teaching here about confession of our faith. And they've called it, name it, claim it. They've called it, blab it, grab it. What they've listened to is a wrong spirit because they're lacking understanding of how this works. It's operation. But every day I have confessed or declared in my prayer time certain things over my life and my family's lives and so on. And one is, in my pathway is life and there is no death. And I recommend to everybody, make that declaration every single day of your life. In my pathway is life and there is no death. Proverbs 12, 12 18, I believe it is. Uh, in my, or 12, 20, my pathway is life and the end thereof there is no death. And what is he saying? You're the righteous. And as the righteous this of God in Christ. We have a right and a to de declare, make a declaration of our faith, believing for divine protection and safety throughout the course of our lives. And so imagine this every single day in our pathways, life, and there is no death. Thank you, Father. In our pathways, life, there is no death. There is no, thank you. There's life and there is no death. We're the righteous. And th so thank you, Father. Now, some of might think, well, that's boring. Well, let me show you what it means. One day I'm going to a wedding celebration, wedding ceremony, out in the street. This is out in someone's home, outside they're being married. And I'm getting out of the car. We had to park on the highway. And cars travel about 50, 55 mile an hour on that road. And I opened up the back, it was a two door. So I opened up my door, pulled the back seat up and let my daughter out. And she's very young at this time, eight, nine, I don't know exactly remember. And while I'm standing this way, she jumps out and sees her girlfriend across the street. And I'm standing her this way, looking inside the car as she jumps out. I didn't expect her to dart out, but she darts out and she starts to run. And out of my peripheral vision, I see a truck coming down, a pickup truck, about 55 mile an hour down the road. And I just go like this. Don't ask me how the perfect timing that her wrist and my hand connected and I pulled her back and she hit the side of the car pretty hard but on the inside of my spirit very loudly I heard in your pathway is life and there is no death my daughter would have died that day no doubt in my mind whatsoever she would have died that day that truck just went right as soon as I pulled her back it just went right by 55 mile an hour but just hearing in my spirit, in your pathways life, and there is no death, tells me that my constant declaration of faith was honored by God. Now I'll tell you something else. I really attribute that to Andrew still being alive today. In our pathways life, and there is no death. Because they, they gave him no chance to live whatsoever. None. Impossible, they say. You know, so... What happens is the enemy comes along and tries to make people think that, oh, this is all ridiculous, this is wrong, 
and then people misuse it and they abuse it and they say wrong things. What you say must be based on the word of God. I mean, must be based on what God said, not what we want, not what we think. And when you declare these truths from the word of God, you're setting in motion some spiritual laws. And I do believe maybe angels put our hands together. I, I don't know about that, but you know, it could be. But it certainly wasn't anything I did other than like this without even seeing her. And I know that it was just a, a miraculous occurrence that took place to save her life. Look in the book of Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 6. This, the words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall what? Deliver him. What delivers us? The mouth of the upright. The things we declare, proclaim from the word of God, the things that we say, say to the mountain, it'll remove. Say that the enemy flee and it will, he will flee from you. But basically when we talk about confessing something that hasn't materialized yet, what we're doing is operating in this law called calling things which be not as though they were. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, notice what it says. We call things that are not as though they were we set that law in motion so that they can become a reality through faith. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You say, well, that's God. That's right. That's exactly what God does. But he tells us to do the same thing. Calling things which be not as though they were. Notice it's not calling things that are as though they're not. And there's a difference between the two. So let me slow down and say that again. Calling things which be not as though they were is not calling things that are as though they're not. When you call something that is not as if it were, you're calling something into manifestation, into being that doesn't exist in this natural world. So let's just say, here, here's a person that has a cold. Eyes running, watering, tearing, nose running, all that, coughing, hacking up a lung, and all that, right? Okay. And the person starts saying, I'm going to start calling things that be not as though they were. I don't have a cold. 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 That's calling things are as though they're not. Come on. You have a cold. Right? You have a cold. But he didn't say that. If you ask for healing and you believe you receive healing, call things that are not as though they are. And what is it that's not? You're not healed. I call myself healed in the name of Jesus. You're not saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. You're saying, I call myself well, I call myself healed, I call myself whole in Jesus' name. You're calling things that are not, because you're not healed in the natural. As though they were, because you believe it by faith that you've received it, and so you're calling it, even though it's not, as though they were. And this is exactly why they use that verse of scripture there. The Holy Ghost pulled that scripture out. You know why? That one right there. He, he calls things to be not as though they were. Talking about Abraham. Because when God changed the name of Abram to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah to Sarai to Sarah. He added an H in their names. It meant that they became covenant partners. And the change of the name meant they were calling each other Abraham, father of many nations. Sarah, mother of many. They're calling each other back and forth. They're using this same principle, calling things that be not as though they were. He's not the father of many nations. He's, he doesn't have one child. 
but he's calling him the father of many nations, calling her the mother of many. And he's basically using the principle of calling things that be not as though they were to do a work on their physical body to restore their ability to procreate once again. And it's over a period of time that this is taking place. But that's the principle that's used there. We call things that are not as though they were so that they can become a reality. Thank God there's a revival in this country. You say, really? Yeah. Stop saying it's going to happen. Start saying, I see it. I call it in the manifestation. I thank God I'm calling it as it is. I call things that be not as though they were and they become a reality. That's cooperating with God by using the law of faith. And what do we do? We open up the avenue through which he can manifest his power and glory to do what he wants to do. Not what we want done. Look at John's gospel chapter 12. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not what? Confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They would not confess Jesus as the Messiah. They would not confess him as the Lord, because why? They'd be put out of the synagogue, and they loved the praise of men more than that of God. So they refused to tap into this law of faith, Set in motion to receive Christ as their Savior and Lord. Why? They would, have the, would rather have the praise of men than the praise of God. And they would never get saved. For they love the praise of men more than that of God. So we must hold fast our confession of faith without wavering. Standing firm even though we know we're going to be challenged along the way. Um, yeah, I might as well share this one real quick with you. Because it's, it's just, it just so defines what I'm talking about. When I asked God for $200 on Sunday to pay my rent, I said, Lord, first of all, I didn't even know this could work. But I was playing catch with my daughter. And while we're playing catch in the courtyard of our uh, complex, our apartment complex, I'm concerned because Thursday's coming. My rent is due. I've got two bucks to my name. Can't pay the rent with the two bucks. I'm working a part-time job because I'm going to school full-time. It's minimum wage, and we've just spent all our money on necessities, food, gas to get to school, etc. Two dollars left to my name. I sit in the checkbook, and so I'm just standing there playing catch with her. And here's what I'm saying to myself. Actually, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, when I worked in the mill, I never had this problem. Always paid my bills on time. You told me to come down here to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and here I am doing what you told me to do. I got rent that's due. It's due Thursday. How am I going to pay that rent? And so while we're playing, I hear the Holy Ghost inside me say, you got to believe you receive that money just like you believe you receive healing. And the light bulb went on. I said, what? You got to believe you receive it just as you do for healing. Believe you receive it first and you will have it. I said, I see it. Isn't that nice when the light bulb goes on? I said, I see it. I got to believe I received $200. That's what I needed before I can see it. So I'm asking you to give us $200 to pay our rent. And Lord, I believe I received $200 to pay the rent. It's a Sunday. And next day, Monday, what happens? I'm, I'm coming home from school, going, going by my mailbox. And as I go by the mailbox, walk right on by it, then think about the mail. But then all of a sudden, I hear this voice saying, you better go check and see whether or not you got any money coming. Because you know, you don't see it. You don't have it. You can't pay your rent. I almost took, almost fell 
to that thought. I, I took one foot like that and I, I, thought, oh, I said, oh no, you don't, Mr. Devil. I said, I asked yesterday. I believed I received it yesterday. And in case you can't see, I see it right there in the palm of my hand. I believe I received it and therefore I have it. I'm going to just thank the Father that I've got it now, calling things that be not as though they were. This happened on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Every day. Thursday comes along, same thing happened. I said, I've got it. I believe I've received it, and therefore I have it. And so I went over to the mailbox when I wanted to, not when I was forced to. Opened up the mailbox, saw some of these letters. One came from Youngstown, Ohio, which is where I grew up. I went to church there after I got saved. And I opened up this envelope, and at the top of it, it says, we don't know why we're sending you this, and we don't even know if you need this, but here's a check for $200. On Sunday, God spoke to our hearts to send this to you. That's the day I asked. That's the day I believe I received. And that's the day he dispatched whatever was necessary in heaven to move upon the hearts of people. And mail to get down, it takes about three to four days from Youngstown to Tulsa. And so it was set in motion on that very day. So calling things that be not as though they were is a law of faith. And here's the thing. Once I got that check for $200, I walked over to the uh, office at the, at the apartment complex and I wrote a check out to pay my rent. I reluctantly was handing it to her. She just snatched it out of my hand like as if it's nothing. And I'm going to say to her, lady, you have no idea where that came from. <laughs> that came on the wings of an angel. It may be nothing to you, but to me, it's my faith in action, receiving from God a need met supernaturally. I've never had that. Never had I ever done anything like that before in my life. That's why I refer to that one. That's the first time I ever believed God for finances, ever. And I'm telling you what, throughout the course of my stay there in Tulsa, there were times there was nothing. And I would just say, I believe I received $20 for gas to go to school tomorrow. All of a sudden, I get a knock. Brother, would you come up here and talk to me for a little bit? People from South Africa. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Went upstairs, talked to them, went over some things with them, spiritual things. I left. Went back downstairs to my apartment. Next thing I know, I get a phone call. Come back up here. Okay. I go back up there. The Lord told me to give you $20. Whatever you need it for. I needed gas. Whatever. I'll tell you what. It's a kind of a scary thing when you're out there and you always like to pay your bills on time and there's no money coming in. But you're asking God to, to, to meet your need. And you believe you receive it and he does. Those are times I don't like to relive, but there are times that I've learned so many principles by walking through something like that. So you got to believe you've received it. You got to confess your faith and stay with it. And don't let go knowing that you've received it. Number six, we must act, act upon what we believe and confess. We must act upon it, which is what I was doing when I believed I received the $200. But look at James 2 and verse 26. Here's the example that he uses. And oh my goodness, it doesn't get clearer than this, does it? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Other translation says faith without corresponding actions is dead also. Notice it's still faith. But this faith is what? Dead. 
dormant, inactive, inoperative. It's not doing anything. It's dead just like a corpse would be dead. There's no spirit and soul inside that body. So it's a corpse and it's still a body, but it's lifeless. It's inactive. It's inoperative. It's not doing anything. So faith without corresponding actions is dead being alone. So we've got to have corresponding actions. This is a spiritual law as well, the law of faith, that has to be set in motion in order for us to receive what we're asking God for or walk in the, let's say, the blessings that belong to us. And this is an example of Brother Hagen. When Brother Hagen was uh, dying, 16, going on 17, paralyzed and expected to die here pretty, pretty soon. Well, he gave his heart to Jesus. He got born again and all that on that bed of affliction. But then he learned the principle of Mark eleven twenty four, and believed he received his healing. He said, Lord, if Mark eleven twenty four means anything, it means I can believe I receive whatever I need according to your word, which is your will, which is healing for me because I've not lived. I've never lived. I've had incurable blood disease. I had heart disease and, and now paralysis. And they said Mayo Clinic that he's going to die, period. You can't live any longer than 16, 17 years old. And that's exactly what was happening. Well, he said, I've asked the Lord, I believe I receive healing. Healing for the heart condition, healing for the blood disease, healing for the paralysis, I believe I receive it. And he kept on every single day saying, I believe I receive healing. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, I believe I receive it. I believe I receive it. I believe I receive it. Therefore, I have it. I think that I have it. He's calling things that be not as though they were. Well, we have to act upon that. And so one day he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, if you were to stand right here next to me and tell me that I have not received or I don't believe I received, I, he said, with all due respect, I would say you're lying about it. You're lying about it. I believe I received. And that's all there is to it. He said, the Holy Ghost on the inside said, well, then you, you need to be in bed this, this hour of the day. You should be up. You've got to act upon it. He said, oh, well, he's paralyzed from the waist down. He said, so I took that as my cue. I believe I received it and therefore I have it. He threw one leg down to hit the floor like a, like a stump, just boom. The next one, same thing. Then he grabbed the bedpost and started to pull himself up. And when he started to pull himself up, he said something hit him on the top of his head, went down his head just like molasses and went all the way down through his body. And all of a sudden he started feeling, the first feeling that he had in his legs was tingling. Like if your leg falls asleep and then it starts to come back, you know how that tingling feeling is. And all of a sudden it just rose up and kept on going up. And he walked around for the first time. He was completely healed of the heart disease, the incurable blood disease, and paralysis. Because he believed he received. He wasn't at a service somewhere. He wasn't prayed for by people. He acted out his faith based on that verse, Mark eleven twenty four, and confessed it, declared it, and continued to praise God for it. But then when he was prompted by the Spirit to act on it, he did. And he was completely healed delivered from that condition it's a fight faith is a fight and we got to stay with it we got to confess it we got to declare it we got to act upon it and do exactly what he said to do and so for example you'd say a name in the leper he was told to dip seven times if he didn't dip seven times he wasn't getting healed but faith acted upon means you got to believe it and you got to act upon it he dipped seven times and he got healed the man that went to the pool of Siloam, he was told, go wash in the pool of Siloam. If he didn't act upon that and do what he was supposed to do, he would not have received his healing, even though God intended for him to be healed. The woman with the issue of blood, she takes it another step. She says, no one tells her to do anything. She hears of Jesus, and she jumps out of her little cottage there and runs on down to where he's at and touches his garment, because she said, if I touch him, I'll be whole. She acted out her faith. She believed that she would receive it.
You could say Abraham offered Isaac. He was about to kill him, right? Acting out his faith. And his faith was made perfect in the process. Also, Rahab, she hid the spies. And if she didn't do that, she had to do her part. She hid the spies, acted out her faith. And she got a miracle as a result. We said Naaman dip. Uh, Noah built an ark. And what about the, uh, let's say the uh, scoffing and laughing and all that, that he, the torture he went through by people because he acted out his faith, believing that God spoke to him about building an ark. And even though all those years that he was building the ark, being laughed at and finally probably just ignored after a while, thinking he's some kind of lunatic. But you know what? Because he acted out his faith, the boat was built to the saving of his house. And what about that? Can you put a price tag on that? And not only his family, but all of us. Okay, and finally, we must stand against every opposing force. We must stand against every opposing force coming against us when we exercise our faith. It's almost like this. I heard it said this, this way one time. When anybody steps out into faith, his faith antenna goes up. His or her faith antenna goes up. And once that antenna goes up, you become a target for the enemy. And the enemy is going to send emissaries your way to get you out of faith. Just like when I said, I believe I received $200, immediately coming along saying, you really think you're going to get that? You better check and see whether or not you're going to get that. We can't be fooled by that. But the enemy is going to come along and try to oppose our faith. Because you know why? If you're not in faith, he doesn't care what you're doing. None whatsoever. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, look at what they say. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, stand therefore, having your loin good about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And then it goes on to talk about even up to the shield of faith, wherewith you'll quench every fiery dart of the devil. So the enemy has all kinds of fiery darts that he shoots our way to get us out of faith. <clears throat> Why? Because he knows our faith is going to have an end result. What do we do? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse Let's start with there. Look at verses uh, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but might through the God to the pulling out of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. <coughs> Something went in my voice box. Fuzz. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Give me a minute. Wow. <clears throat> Fuzz or something, I don't know. <laughs> Glory be to God. It'll come. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I believe I receive. <laughs> Amen. I call things to be not as though they were. <laughs> Against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, we cast down those thoughts and imaginations because they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. He'll say, you didn't receive it. Yes, I did. You didn't get it. Yes, I have. I received it. I have it. I thank God for it. It's mine now. I'm not waiting to get it. I believe I have received it. And therefore, I have it right here, right now. Look at the next one. For when God made promise to Abraham, he could swear by no greater... He swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Thank you. And so after that, he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Notice he had to patiently endure 
to obtain the promise. What does that mean? The promise doesn't come immediately. Sometimes it takes time. It could take 21 days. In some cases, it could take longer than that. But the point is, we've got to stay in faith and not abort our faith project. Because if we do, we'd be like Peter going under the water. We don't want that. We have to stay in faith. We have to recognize and know that our faith is working like Jesus for four days. He knew the Father heard him. Four days prior to that, he knew the Father heard him. So, four days later, he can say, I know you heard me. I know I have it. Lazarus, come forth. Think about that. All right. Our conclusion, miracles don't happen always instantly. We've got to set in motion spiritual laws and keep those laws in operation so that we can experience what we're looking for, which is the manifestation of what we're believing God for. So these laws operate just like natural laws operate. And if we want to fly high by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we got to stay in faith, continue in faith until our faith project is consummated. Let's all stand together before the Lord.